This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Hello, America. Welcome to the program. Today, I want to talk to you about what the Russian government has just done. They have issued uh, an order to immediately bring back your children if they are studying abroad. Is that a problem? They said, don't finish the school year, pull them out, and bring them home right now. Why would Russia be doing that? We have the details on that coming up in a second. Also, there is another war that has started, and I want you to know that there is no middle ground on this war. There there are no casual observers. If um, If you think you can stand on the sidelines, you will find yourself on the wrong side in the end. You will have to pick a side. Um, I, 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 I want to show you the what I believe is a declaration of war that was issued yesterday. It is, I believe, quite frightening. Um, we'll give that to you. And I have to start here because Breitbart is the propaganda machine. And yesterday, Breitbart... Uh, took words completely out of to- context and compl- so quickly when we called news sources like CNN that wanted me to endorse Hillary Clinton and we said, have you read the words as they're on the phone? Uh, 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 oh, crap. Oh. oh, yeah. Okay. We didn't have to sell anybody on it. We just had to get them to read what I said. And the story was changed, but nobody actually reads stories. They only read the headlines. I am not now, nor will I ever be, for Hillary Clinton. I will not now, nor will I ever, vote for Hillary Clinton. I will never endorse, and she is not a moral and ethical choice. But there is a moral and ethical choice, and we should all be looking for that. But that moral and ethical choice is called a bridge too far. And that bridge is decided by each of us personally. And I begin there right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Let me be very clear on the obvious here. Hillary Clinton is among the most repugnant, immoral politicians to come along in modern history. I know friends of hers who describe her as that. 
It makes me question them on why are you friends? Their response usually is, well, we were friends. I'm not really friends now, but I still support her because X, Y, or Z. I hear the same X, Y, or Z from the right about the people they're standing with. Um, Immoral, it, it doesn't begin to describe Hillary Clinton. She is clearly as corrupt as politicians can get, and she is a bold-faced liar. Worse than that, she is an amoral warmonger who has backed bloody regime changes in Ukraine, in Libya, in Syria, and Iraq, and less talked about, in Honduras. She, her actions have resulted in multiple civil wars and the deaths of tens of thousands of innocent civilians, as well as the dislocation of hundreds of thousands of now refugees flooding out of the Middle East into our country and into Europe. She has supported drone strikes against non-military targets, even in cases where innocent American citizens would be killed as collateral damage. She has directly aided in handing control of vital strategic resources to Russian control, putting our national security at risk. She has engaged in the character assassination of numerous women who have accused her husband of sexual harassment, misconduct, and even accusations of rape, effectively condoning and enabling his behavior as a sexual predator. She has let our boys die without lifting a finger to help in Benghazi. She has repeatedly inflamed irrational hatred and fear of the police even as peace officers have been targeted for violence and murder by the very audience she is encouraging. Her policies represent the worst kind of totalitarianism. If she is elected, our precious rights will almost certainly suffer, as will our economy, our health, our education system, and our national security. Could I be any more clear on Hillary Clinton and how I feel about her? I could go on for several shows talking about how bad she is. This audience does not need to know how bad she is. That's not new information. This audience has been there the whole time trying to ring the bell about Hillary Clinton. We know because we've all been standing here screaming from the rooftops. How is it no one is saying anything? This show doesn't need to, although we have. We just finished last week, a full week, just on her scandals. We don't need to preach to the choir about the things that you already know. It is difficult to imagine a president worse than Hillary Clinton. At this point, the argument generally raised is that Hillary is so purely and so obviously a slimy, disgusting, evil person. We're now hearing people claim that she is Satan and that she smells like sulfur. We may be going a little too far on Hillary Clinton. Because she will do such massive damage 
to our nation if elected? They will tell you the only acceptable answer is to do whatever is necessary to ensure she does not become president. Supporters of Mr. Trump will usually acknowledge and dismiss his shortcomings with thinking along these lines, no matter how bad or gross or revolting he is, he's not as bad as Hillary Clinton. Well, what could make somebody as bad as Satan? It may be true. It may not be. The only way we will ever know is to elect Donald Trump. If he is not elected, he will go down as a man who is maligned. Because we will not have evidence of what he did as President of the United States. Voting for Donald Trump is, for many of his supporters and apologists, and there are, there's a difference between that, simply a, a classic lesser-than-two-evils scenario. She's more evil than he is. But I also want to talk to you about another argument. Either you support Donald Trump or you're supporting Hillary Clinton. Both of those are flawed. Let's start with the lesser of two evils. Yes, yes, he's gross, he's rude, he's a misogynist, he's a philanderer who is who's bragged about his conquests of women. He perhaps has been less than authentic on certain issues. Maybe, maybe he's a little bit racist. Maybe he's prone to a little graft in his business dealings. Maybe he plays a little fast and loose with some of the facts. But he's not Hillary Clinton. Here's the problem with this argument. There is a, pro- there is a point to where this argument breaks down. It's a bridge too far. And this is what I wrote that Breitbart twisted. A bridge too far. It's simply a question of threshold. And what I want you to do is not vote for Donald Trump or vote for Hillary Clinton or vote for anybody else. I want you to say, where is that point in me? A bridge too far. What is your threshold? The point at which... No matter how much damage you believe Hillary Clinton might do, where will you withdraw your support? What will it be? Draw that line. Because we live in the world we are living in now, let me apologize in advance. If anybody is offended by the graphic nature of this, we know the Trump uh, audio tape came out. It's sexually suggestive. It is being called locker room talk. I don't hang out in locker rooms, so I don't know. But I think it is shameful to, to paint all men as talking like this. We do not all talk like this. And I would walk away from people, and I would not be friends with people who talk like this. He spoke about what he wished he could do with women, what he has done, and explicitly where he has groped women. And they will allow him to grab them there because he's rich and famous. What he said was that all women are whores. And they'll do, they'll do whatever they want for cash or for fame. He can do whatever he wants to them. Donald Trump's supporters have agreed, most of them, that this is sickening and it's wrong he expressed regret in this. 
and made a semi-apology for them. Now, for some people, this was a bridge too far. For some people, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. While Trump has said and done many things, uh, and people have had grave concerns, this event is the event that made it impossible to say, okay, I, 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 I can't go with you anymore. I want to. I've tried to. Hillary is so bad, but I can't do it. Mike Lee, Paul Ryan, uh, Mike uh, Crapo, bridge too far. They can't go any further. It's no longer acceptable to them. It may be for you, but what is your line? Because this episode, if it wasn't for you, that's fine. We all have that line in ourselves. Many prominent politicians, pundits, media personalities, they are still standing by their endorsement. And they're going, and they have a right to do it. For them, it was clearly disgusting, but they continually now support Mr. Trump and say that he's justified, and we should dismiss this because Hillary Clinton is so bad. And you just heard how bad she is from me. I believe she is that bad. Fine. Personal choice. We all have a moral code that we follow. But if you're one of his more ardent supporters, if you were there, let me ask you a real-life scenario. What if Mr. Trump said, "Um, I can touch women wherever I want. I'll just give them money. What if he said, I can touch and forcibly have sex with women because I'm famous and they'll let me do it? What if he said, I'm famous, women come to me, and I put a knockout drug in their, in, their, uh, in their drink? Basically, Bill Cosby. And I can get away with it because I'm famous. What if he said, I can rape a woman, and I can get away with it? Would any of those be a bridge too far? Now, I would hope everybody would say yes. If you ask me, what if, he said, it's a clear answer, is it not? And, and you can f- feel free to say, because this is, this is not what Mr. Trump has said. He has not um, said he likes rape, he wants to rape, he can rape, none of that. I hope he would never say that. This is a scenario where I'm asking you where your bridge is. Now, If you would ask me that as a Trump supporter, I would roll my eyes and I would say, please, he's not going to say, I know that. I know he's not going to say that. But if he did, what would you say? I think most people would immediately say, what? Of course, I'm off the train. Of course, I'm off the train. I'm off the train. I want a a rapist for president. This is why you need to answer this question now. I want to show you his supporter is a congressman in Texas. He was asked this question last night. In a locker room, this was not in a locker room, it was a workplace, said, I really like raping women. Would that be locker room talk? Again, it depends. You, you don't know the entire context. But of you would all be this. fine with but that. I'm not here if a to tape defend came Donald out, Trump, I, I, I don't. I don't like what he said. If a tape came but, out with uh, Donald, Donald Trump, Trump saying that, himself on that, if a tape came out with Donald Trump saying that, saying I really like to rape women, you would continue to endorse him. I, again, it would. I, I 
that would be bad. And I would have to consider. I'd, I'd, I'd have to consider, consider it. But again, it. we're talking about what Donald Trump said ten years ago, as opposed to what Hillary Clinton has done. In the- Do you hear? I'd have to consider it. I want you to consider it now. Where is your bridge too far? Back in a minute. When you buy a home security system from a big company, the system comes from the manufacturer to the distributor to the dealer to the salesman to the installer to you. That's why they have to be sneaky about how they price their service. They want you to think it's inexpensive, but then they lock you into a service contract and a long-term contract for $40, $50, or $60 a month. So you're paying for the system 10 times over. SimpliSafe is different. They sell directly to you via the website. With SimpliSafe, you get the best protection. It's like having, it's like having a, a cop standing at your front door. Simply Safe is easy to use. It's completely wireless, and you own the system. It has glass break, entry, and motion sensors. Monthly monitoring is $14.99. No long-term contract. So it, it is the best system. It is completely wireless. You own it, and there are no strings attached to it at all. Everything is transparent. Pay for it once. Protect your home the smart way. Visit simplysafebeck.com. Go there now. You'll get free shipping on your order and a free keychain remote. It's worth 25 bucks. It's simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Glenn Beck. Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can. Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show. To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information. That's tickets at glennbeck.com. Mercury. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Triple eight seven two seven back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I want to uh, I want to say one other thing. If, if the infection is inside, we lose. If the fight is inside, for instance, our own churches, will our churches be stronger or weaker if we are under siege? We lose the tax exemption. Do our churches become weaker or stronger? I think they become stronger. If, if the government is cracking down on churches... 
Is our faith stronger or weaker? It's stronger. Where is the church flourishing and where is the church floundering? It is flourishing in places like China. It is floundering here. But if the disease is inside of our churches, we fail. There is something to be said about persecution, especially when it comes to religion, that it is stronger because of it. I don't want to go through it. I come from a faith that has seen it and seen it to the point of death and burning of houses and and chasing out of the country. I get it. I don't want it. I don't want it for my children. But don't fear it. We're going to have good days and bad days. And if Hillary is elected, we're going to be fighting. We've already been fighting for the past eight years. We're going to fight for the next four. And we'll win some and we'll lose some fights. No matter how hard or how diligent we fight a Clinton administration, we're going to lose ground when it comes to liberty and the damage that will be done to our nation. And the damage will have to somehow be undone, either by us or by some future generation. And I want you to know, I will be there tooth and nail, whether you want me or not. It's my country too. And I will be there to fight. I will be there to help rebuild and restore our nation post-Hillary. And I will stand shoulder to shoulder with people like Mike Lee and Ted Cruz and Carly Fiorina and Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity and Matt Drudge and any other America, any other American who says, I believe in freedom and small government, and I believe that love and peace and diligence and hard work is the answer. I will stand as Abraham Lincoln did with malice toward none and charity toward all. And as he said, I will stand with a man when he is right and flee from him when he is wrong. The Glenn Beck Program. to give you an update on uh, some things, and I'm going to be cryptic here because of the danger involved, Um, but you have done such a remarkable job uh, with the uh, Nazarene Fund. I got word earlier this morning that the Nazarene Fund, um, without giving you any details, is responsible for now moving a community that is under siege currently by, by ISIS. Um. This Christian community just saved one of the ancient prophets. They actually took the mummified body of this ancient prophet that had been buried and they moved it and hid it so ISIS couldn't do anything with it. An ancient Jewish prophet uh, moved and saved by this, this Christian community at great risk and peril of their lives. Um, that community is going to be moved by, um, by the Nazarene Fund, which is you. 
there are so many miracles that are happening in the Middle East, and it is because of you, and I want to thank you for that. Um, we have a massive operation um, underway right now, and we'll give you the details hopefully by Christmas. Um, but uh, I want to thank you, and you can donate to the Nazarene Fund if you would like to. They've opened it up so we can take more money again um, because of this one particular operation is going to be extraordinarily expensive. Um, but it is, if it happens, I believe it will be um, to the level of fulfilling prophecy. I mean, it is, it's biblical in its, in its weight. David Barton, who's on the board of directors and also with Wall Builders, is uh, on the phone now. David, without getting into any details on, you know, what is coming and what we're working on, is he there? Are you there, David? David, are you there? Yes, sir, I am. Okay. Without getting any details on what we're working on uh, and what is possibly coming, um, would you categorize it that way? It feels it feels the weight of what is possibly going to happen feels like biblical, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And I was, you know, kind of like you, I was shaking my head, go, man, this is, this ancient prophet, this is one of the books of the Bible. I mean, it's, it's one of those prophets. It's not just a prophet. It is, it is one of the prophets. And it just, it's amazing to me. I, you know, ISIS is going through destroying not only people, but everything they can of heritage related to Jewish or Christian traditions. And, and here's, here's Christian folks, you know, working, working their tails off at the, at the risk of their life to save biblical heritage. And it's, it, I think people kind of forget what ISIS is. They're out of the news. I mean, we know what they are, but we just don't hear them as often. And then we, we get this report about what's, what's still happening, and we're moving those, those folks out just as soon as we can. But it's right, still amazing uh, what's happening in the Middle East. David, I want to talk to you also about a couple of other things. Thanksgiving dinner in Louisiana. Um, you know, when the news outlets and the Weather Channel cease to report on what's going on in Louisiana, um, uh, then people think that it's all fixed, and it's not. We are trying to provide hot Thanksgiving meals to those who are still trying to rebuild. Um, we need to cover all of the meals. We need, by October 15th, we need to raise, I think, $45,000 that will help feed uh, fifteen to 20,000 people. You can go to mercuryone.org slash Thanksgiving. Every dime that is raised for these particular things uh, goes right directly, so it will go to provide those meals. They're not going to be buying phone systems or paying anybody's salary. We do that in the general fund, and that's a separate fundraiser that we do. So if you want to help feed people in Louisiana for Thanksgiving and give them a home-cooked meal, you can go to mercuryone.com slash Thanksgiving. Also, Hurricane Matthew, the devastation, David, do you have an update on this? Well, it's, it's still getting bad. Uh, in South Carolina, North Carolina, the rivers are still rising at three to five inches an hour, if you can imagine that. Um, there's a, a couple of breaches of dams that are underway in two counties. Uh, each of those breaches will then flood about 30,000 homes in those counties. It How are we getting the truck? I, I noticed, I saw that trucks were already on the way. We have How are they getting... The how are they getting there with, I mean, because I was seeing the traffic yesterday, you know, the email traffic saying, 
you know, this is going to be washed out, this is going to be washed out. How, how are we getting things there? We have help with officials there who understand exactly what we do and who we are, and they're helping us get through. Uh, we've had the, the good benefit of helping, for example, state, having state police help us know where to go and, and what's closed and what's open and where we can get. I mean, they, they want the help and need the help really, really bad. And so we have the, the blessing of being able to work with officials who help get us there and law enforcement who help get us there. And we, you know, we kind of saw this coming, so we started putting trucks on the ground in, in key areas in South Carolina, North Carolina, and Florida. And sure enough, they were needed, and now we're having to get more trucks in. And it's, it's some of the most basic things. I mean, when, when you get floods like that, if you're in the country, all your groundwater seeps into your wells, and so you lose all your drinking water. And so something as simple as drinking water is gone. The contamination now, you were mentioning Louisiana, 165,000 homes destroyed in Louisiana, many of them now being condemned because of the mold that has taken over the homes. So that's why the Thanksgiving dinners are so important in Louisiana, because psychologically, not only feeding people, but psychologically, you know, what a rough time of the year to be home. And in North Carolina, as in Louisiana, these are in areas that weren't expected to flood, so people didn't have flood insurance. I mean, it's just really tragic stories. Uh, we've had in, in North Carolina, we've had 2,000 people who have had to be rescued by extraction with helicopters, boat, et cetera, stranded on top of their houses, uh, whatnot. So it, it's a growing number, and with the breaches that are expected in the next couple of days, man, you look at another 60,000 homes that could be destroyed. Um, we are on the ground it, because you have been so gracious. We were able to dispatch trucks um, in advance of the hurricane and have them locked down and in position. So when it passed through, we could go to wherever we needed to go quickly. Um, we are distributing uh, not only um, uh, hot meals, bottled water, personal care items, also chainsaws, safety gears, uh, we have trucks already there. We have trucks coming, and we're writing checks to the the partners that we have in Jacksonville, Florida, Charleston, Myr- Myrtle Beach, and uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Those are the hardest hit areas, um, and we are on the ground there thanks to you. And we really uh, need your help. If you could uh, go to mercuryone.org/hurricane-matthew, mercuryone.org/hurricane-matthew, you can donate. Again, we don't mix the funds, so if it goes to Hurricane Matthew, all the money goes there. And again, nothing comes, 100% of every dollar goes to these causes. Um, And the other one is Louisiana. If you want to do Thanksgiving meals, that's mercuryone.com slash Thanksgiving. And if you want to help rescue Christians in the Middle East, that's mercuryone.com slash Nazarene Fund. David, thank you very much. Thanks, Glenn. God bless. All right. Um, <clears throat> by the way, we're not asking anybody where, how they vote. We're not asking anybody what color they are. We're not asking anybody uh, what their income is. This is what I mean when I say we're all going to need each other. And we're making such bad enemies of one another. And quite honestly, as I saw firsthand yesterday, I was really touched by Dana Lash really touched by her last night. She was very angry um, because she used to work for Breitbart. And she, She's awesome. She is awesome. <laughs> and, um, and she used to work for Breitbart, and she knows what happened yesterday. All of the stuff that you read in the news yesterday was caused by Breitbart. Intentionally, um, obviously. Yeah, intentionally. Lie about you. Intentionally. Um, and this stuff is going to get worse and worse and worse. 
And I have, I have always said to you, thank you for your support and thank you for defending. It's going to get harder, and I'm not going to ask you to defend um, because you're going to have to defend yourself. Uh, and I'm not worried about the future, come what may. Um, I said um, a while back, I you know, said about a, um, a, a vision that I had a, or a, an imagining that I had uh, right around the time of Restoring Honor that, you know, it'd be me and a few friends alone under a tree with about 20 people and we would just be, we'd still be talking and we'd still be moving forward for the country. And so I've kind of built my whole, you know, thought on that cataclysmic idea that it's just us and a few people underneath a tree just talking. So I'm willing to take the consequences for standing and come what may, it doesn't bother me. Um, but I sure appreciate your support and I sure appreciate your prayers. Um, you know, Pat is, Pat is out today. He's got the shingles. And uh, he is practically Job. Um, he doesn't ever talk about anything in his personal life. Nobody knows. But Pat is probably in more pain than anybody I've ever met, which explains some of his grumpiness. Um, but he is in excruciating pain all the time. Now he has shingles. And his, his mother-in-law uh, is very, very sick, who lives with him. And he has had the year of Job. And uh, I would just ask that you would keep all of us in your prayers, and especially Pat, um, because he's had, he's had a rough go of it. He's had a rough go of it. Yeah, BYU's lost three games, so yeah. it's pretty, pretty I much know, it's a tough season. season. It's a tough season for him. So. Um, and now this. Are you prepared? Are you prepared for whatever comes? And whatever comes could just be economic insecurity. I will tell you that when my mom and dad got divorced, we lost our bakery and we moved. And I've told you before that we've, we ate powdered milk um, for breakfast in the morning. I hated it. I hated it. It was like water. Um, and that's what we had. Even though we had real milk and cream and stuff for the baked goods at, at the bakery, we didn't use that at home because we couldn't afford it at home. That was for the product. Um, when my folks got a divorce and we lost the bakery, um, we were even struggling even more. And what saved us was my mother canned food. We had canned soup that she would make with vegetables out of the garden. That she would, it wasn't even our garden. It was, she would go in, in the area. You could go to a, like a farmer's garden and you could pick it yourself and you'd pay a lot less. We would go and pick the beets and pick the beans and pick, uh, and, and pick the peas and everything. And then she would make stew or soup, and she would mix it, believe it or not, ugh, in the bathtub. It was awful, um, the thought of it every time you took a mouthful of it. But anyway, that's what saved us. Tough times could come in a, mi- in a million different ways. You can now be prepared with a year's worth of food for $997. Please take advantage of this. This is $800 off. One year of food for one person for nine ninety seven. That's breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a full year. That's enough food for four people for three months. This is the great. This is the best way to start your food preparation that I've ever seen. Order online right now. A one year, one year's food 
uh, supply for nine ninety seven. Limit two. Call eight hundred nine four six twenty three twenty five. Eight hundred nine four six twenty three twenty five. Or go to preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. program. Uh, we have Dinesh D'Souza coming in in a few minutes. Nice. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Dinesh D'Souza is fun. Notice he doesn't particularly uh, think Hillary will be a good president. I, you know, I've gotten that feeling from him. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, we can, we can <laughs> well, it might be the movie in the book. Yeah, but in the movie, <laughs> what I'm saying is in the movie and the book, he seems to be critical of Hillary he and her candidacy. Think? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, numerous times I've noticed it. Huh, I haven't noticed that. You have to ask him about it. Maybe I'm just picking up, maybe right. it's just me, you know. Right, maybe just picking up some vibes yeah. that aren't there. But, he, but maybe he's be. not being critical it of Hillary. It could be, but it seems to be. I've picked up that he's also critical of the Democratic Party. Yeah, he's, I would say he's skeptical of their leadership. That's what I would say. No, I'd go that far. I would I'd go that far. I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I now. would say that it's almost as if he's calling them racists. Oh, now that's I, I didn't I didn't detect that. Bridge too far. Uh, the bridge oh, yes. too, too far, far for, for you. Me, OK, uh, there. Uh, I just I don't I wouldn't say the relationship between Dinesh and Democrats is warm. <laughs> I think it's I think it's it, it's it's at least it might have something to do with them putting him in jail. That I mean, that could have something to do yeah. with it for something that uh, I, I believe I saw him say the other day that no one has ever been put in jail. Yeah. Defense other than him. Yes. Who was it that was in the news the other day? <laughs> Donald Trump. Donald Trump gave 10 times the amount to oh, somebody. To Charlie Crist. Yep. To Charlie Crist, mm-hmm. which is what Dinesh went to jail for. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody, this happens all the time. Nobody goes to jail. Oh, yeah. Hillary, in these, some of these WikiLeaks emails, reportedly, and we don't know for sure which ones are real and which ones aren't, but reportedly they had contact, the Clinton campaign had contact with super PACs. Contact, direct contact oh. with super PACs. Now, again, that's not legal. And because of all these campaign finance rules, those are the things that are supposed to be punished. But it seems like only Dinesh D'Souza gets the punishment for it. And then well, Dinesh is off the street. We had him off the street. Crime went down. Yeah. Once we got Dinesh off the oh, street, yeah. you know. It's a good period. I mean, oh, we, America was, America could sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a dangerous <laughs> that, Oh, my gosh. That, yes. that, that, once you got that, that you know. A college professor off the street. Oh, oh yeah. Because he's a menace. Safe. He's a menace. The only time I can tell you that I felt safe going outside. Right. When he was in, in prison. prison. I, Once I found out, because I got a call, we all did, got a call, Dinesh is out. And I was like, oh, unlock oh. the door, turn the alarm off. No, I meant when we got the call that he was out. Oh, yeah, then, lock oh, then back I was up. like, oh, It was I like got... the purge. It was like the night of the purge. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. very similar. America was like, Dinesh is out. <laughs> That's why I, I built a 40-foot wall around my home when Dinesh was released. Did you really? Yes. a watch. Very dangerous. Oh. Very dangerous guy. Well, we've tracked him to our building. He's oh, no. in the house. Oh, my gosh. We're in and, trouble. Uh, we're going to we're gonna ask him, what's his beef with Hillary Clinton? Yeah. He's, and notice, maybe I'm we have it wrong. I'm telling you, it's something. There, he has something that he thinks... <laughs> 
about Hillary Clinton that would not make her a wonderful president. I don't know where he's getting it from. We'll, we'll hear his that. case on that next. <laughs> this is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. America, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. I've heard that there's this woman, uh, Hillary Clinton, and there's this other guy. He's a jailbreaker, a lawbreaker. Right. Yeah. I mean, this guy has been in prison. So what credibility does he have? He's got an axe to grind against this woman called Hillary Clinton. Who is she? What what possible scandals should could she have in her past? The lawbreaker himself, Dinesh D'Souza, is here, and we begin right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have won. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Hillary's America is the number one DVD in America on Amazon right now. And uh, Hillary's America, the book by Dinesh D'Souza, has been out and been a number one and top five bestseller for a very long time. Welcome to the program, Dinesh. How are you? Great to be here. Good to have you. Um, uh, As you're watching, uh, Eric Holder, he tweeted today, right? Um, As you're watching people... Uh, talk about putting people in prison because they disagree with them politically. Which could never happen. Which could never happen in America. Oh, wait a minute. It happened to you. (laughs) Um, When you saw the tweet today from Eric Holder, which said... Well, in effect, he said, I am shocked, shocked to hear that there are people talking about putting political dissidents in jail in America. Right. Uh, he, he, he seemed to have be outraged. It reminded me, of course, of the guy from Casablanca, the, the, the lieutenant, who was shocked to find gambling going on right, right. under his nose. Right, right. Um, and, uh, you know, it's um, in my case. Um, look, there are people who have committed campaign finance violations who have gone to prison. Yes. But in every single case, there is corruption or witness tampering, or in one case, the guy had done it several times before. Uh, in my case, the amount involved was 20 grand, uh, my own money, uh, and not something I was looking to gain. I was helping a college friend running for the Senate. So no American has been locked up for doing what I did. Uh, and the government looked really hard to find a case so they could tell the judge, look, we, we think you should put this guy in prison because this guy went to prison. They couldn't find a single case. Uh, and, uh, and so that's the, uh, the issue at justice at its core isn't just did you do it. Because, uh, you know, if, you, if you're, you get a speeding ticket and they give you one year in prison, you did it. But it's a penalty that doesn't fit the crime. Or other guys who did the same thing aren't going to get remotely like the same if, penalty. You've been a guy who has been outspoken uh, from the beginning on uh, Barack Obama and now Hillary Clinton. Um, you're not making any friends with a woman who could quite possibly be the next president of the United States. 
Um, what have you changed in your life or what has changed mentally in you? Knowing what they can do, a lot of people would back off. A lot of people would say, okay, I'm going to shut up. You didn't. You doubled down. What, 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 are you th- what are you thinking? Well, I think I've been uh, in some ways radicalized by my own experience. And, and when I took on Obama... Uh, I thought I was making a kind of intellectual discovery about him, that he was not so much a civil rights guy, but an Mm anti-colonialist. And to pursue that story journalistically, I went to Kenya. But I think the effect of that movie was to get not only... It kind of got into his head, Obama. And it made him look bad because, you know, there I was with his brother in the Haruma slums of Nairobi. Mm -hmm. Here was President Obama talking about, we are our brother's keeper. So it made him look like a complete hypocrite. Uh, and he's a thin-skinned narcissist. So, he, so I think this is where the vendetta started. Uh, but I didn't really know what I was getting into. I thought I was you know, blowing the whistle and showing people a side of Obama they didn't know. But you take on the U.S. government, they unleash the FBI on you. They've got your bank records in one hand, your tax files on the other hand. You, know, it, you feel the vulnerability of that. United States of America versus Dinesh D'Souza. So my initial reaction was to step back and cower down. Uh, And then when I got in the confinement center, all these hoodlums walking around, sleeping on bunk beds and spitting everywhere and so on. Again, my initial reaction was to be a hermit, to stay back. And it was only as I began to reflect on all this, it kind of took me back to my childhood. I'm an immigrant. I came to America with 500 bucks in my pocket. I've seen the American dream. Well, this is the other America. Uh, And I decided, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to kind of go all in for this country, which has meant everything to me. Does it concern you? Because you and I both know who Hillary Clinton is. She is corrupt to the core. Um, The WikiLeaks is showing that she'll say one thing to, you know, out in the open and the 180 degree opposite, you know, behind closed doors. Does it concern you at all? For where this country has been, the trouble that is probably on the horizon economically, et cetera, et cetera, and and knowing that you're dealing with somebody who says, never let a good crisis go to waste, does it concern you at all that you would be targeted again? I'm I'm more concerned for America than I am for myself. In, in some ways, I feel like there's a certain weird safety being on the front line. Yes. In other words, um, uh, you know, if the guy who writes Hillary's America and makes the movie Hillary's America disappears tomorrow, who's the main suspect? Yes. <laughs> right? right. Uh, so in some ways, there, there's a certain security in being out there in front. Um, but if she is the gangster that we believe her to be, shouldn't we make every effort to block her? Because once you give her the Oval Office, you give her the accoutrements of power, even as Secretary of State, we saw what she did with that power. Uh, but even then she was under the reign of Obama. However mild the Obama check, the Obama people at least were like, Hillary, give us a list of all the foreign donors who are giving you money. Uh, But without that, remove that, and now you have a woman who has the full apparatus of the federal government, the FBI, the CIA, at her disposal. It is a terrifying kind of power. Do you think she ever believed it? You know, I said the other day that the Hillary of the 1960s if she could come back and meet the Hillary today, she might, be, she might punch her in the face because she's, she's become everything she claimed she was against. Was she ever, was she ever um, 
pure in thought and, and just wanting to do good things? Did she have a turning point in her life where it went really dark? You know, it, there's, there's only little glimpses of young Hillary that one can get from all the bios of, of Hillary. Remarkably, when she was very young, she wanted to be a beauty queen. She entered all these beauty pageants. And That's a tough road. And she, well, she wanted to, she wanted to be Enough. the classic, you know, the all-American girl. That was her original thought. And she was a Goldwater girl in those days. She was a Republican. Her dad was a Republican. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, her, uh, and so her mom was kind of a closet liberal, but the dad was a Republican. Uh, I think what happened is when Hillary uh, was late in high school and then on to Wellesley College, she realized, I don't have the looks and I don't have the political charm. I don't have that magnetic gregariousness that you need to advance in politics. Uh, I, I actually need to find a partner who does, someone who, in a sense, who can carry me. So do you think that that was um, uh a political calculation, her relationship it was an, it was at, the, an at the beginning? Yeah, I think she knew. See, remember, Bill had had problems with sexual harassment at Oxford, even before he came to Yale Law School. And Hillary knew about that. Hillary knew about Bill from the old days. She knew from the beginning. So she made a decision to go ahead, and there had to be a reason. Just like there had to be a reason for Bill to go for her. She's not his type. She's the opposite of his type. What's uh, his type? His type is Monica Lewinsky. His type is yeah. the sort of... Uh, you know, high cheekbone, wide jawed, uh, you know, uh, trailer park girl, if you will. Uh, yeah, he, he likes that style. Hillary, yeah. the, the hippie. Uh, Hillary, the sort of don't shave your underarms. Hillary, the sort of ideologue. That's oh, you didn't not, need to bring that. Well, you didn't need to bring Oh, that. we're back to beauty pageants? <laughs> no, 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 this is, I'm, I'm just drawing on what was. Right, 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 right. Yeah, this was all, I mean, this is, in, this is all in the Hillary biographies. And so they both found something that the other person had. And they made a pact early on, and their marriage has been based on that. So that's why I think it's been so interesting to see the media playing this pageant. So when do you think she went really corrupt and dark? Was I, I, let me just ask you this: the, the you know the the travel gate and the the Lincoln bedroom and the selling of access. Um. It, w- w- was that the beginning of the training wheels of what became the Clinton Foundation? And if so, what was it, what is the Clinton Foundation the trailing training wheel for to come? Yeah. So you remember in the Arkansas days, the Clintons would do small time. They do small time right. rackets. Hillary puts in a thousand bucks. She makes a hundred grand. Uh, because there's a guy who's essentially sheltering her from risk. And why is he doing that? Because Bill is attorney general. So they're running small rackets. Then they get to the White House. They can't believe it. They suddenly realize that things like pardons can be sold. And so, you know, here's Mark Rich. He's willing to put in millions of dollars for the DNC and to the Clinton Foundation in exchange for a pardon. And they're on their way out the door. Why not? They go for it. Uh, so, so to them, everything is for sale. Now, when Hillary becomes Secretary of State, now they've already exited the presidency. Uh, and now they, their, their schemes become cleverer and bigger. And they realize, oh, Bill's speaking fee is $150,000. Why don't we move it up to $600,000? Obviously, Bill's content isn't going to improve. Right. But now there are people who want There's favors. No slide out. Show coming with it. Yeah. <laughs> they want favors out of Hillary. And so this isn't really paying for a speech. It's a bribe, but it's disguised as payment for a speech. And so the Clintons, in that sense, are completely unscrupulous. I haven't seen anything like this. We've seen it with, like, Boss Tweed and Tammany yes. Hall in New York. But at the national level, I mean, have you heard of a secretary of state renting out American foreign policy? Never. No. So what is that 
What does that give us a glimpse into what she is going to be if she wins? What does America, what, what does American policy look like? The way I think about it is kind of like this. Um, what did Al Capone want out of Chicago? If you could give him everything he wanted, what did he want? He basically wanted to be the mob boss of Chicago, right? He wanted to be able to loot the treasury. He wanted all his buddies to be on the payroll. He can give him contracts when he wants. He wanted his critics to be pushed away. Leave, leave the state. I'll throw you off a roof. Uh, I'll reduce your influence. I'll get you fired. And he, the most important thing, he wanted to walk into the big Chicago stadium and have the whole crowd stand up and shout, Big Al, Big Al, Big Al, with cult-like devotion. That's what Hillary wants for America. She wants so to she's, be the... We're not talking about Evita. We're talking about um, uh, an oligarch. We're ta- yeah, if you look at Evita, I mean, Evita was corrupt. Evita wanted to, Evita uh, was sort of a, a girl from the wrong side of the tracks who made good and wanted to cash in right. on her opportunity. But let's say this, did Evita care how the ordinary uh, Argentine lived his life? Did Evita want to tell you what religion to practice or where you can live or whether you can own a gun? She couldn't care less. Right. And most dictators are even like that. They don't care about your personal life as long as they are ensconced in power and you don't molest them. They don't want to molest you. But today's progressivism has such a built-in tyrannical impulse, which Hillary embodies, that she, you can't say today, I'm going to go in my little enclave and I'm going to be sheltered. And I'll just live my life, drive my pickup truck, and I'll go hunting. No, they're going to come after you in your church, out on the hunting range. They're not going to leave you alone. And so we can't leave them alone. Okay. Back in just a second with more of Dinesh D'Souza. Um, is the paper book out yet? Uh, no, the books are still in hardback, but the movie's out in DVD. Movie's out in DVD. It's Hillary's America, Dinesh D'Souza, back in just a second. Uh, now our sponsor is ZipRecruiter. Who you hire is really important. It says a lot about your company and its principles and how you treat employees and how they treat customers. How do you find the best camp, uh, the candidates to compete for the job openings that you might have, especially if you're a small business person? I know what it's like to run a small business and you start running a small business and, and you know, you don't have time to even write the job opening, let alone interview everybody and juggle all the phone calls and everything else. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job opening on 100 plus job sites, all the big ones, including the social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Then you can find candidates in any city, any industry nationwide. You post once. Watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. There's no juggling of the emails and calls to your office. You screen the candidates, you rate them, and you hire the right person fast. With a million businesses nationwide using ZipRecruiter, you can trust it. We've used it, and we use it now, and we're hiring uh, using ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter, you can use it for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Try it again for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck Program. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. Mercury. Dinesh D'Souza is with us. Uh, the movie on DVD is out now, Hillary's America, uh, where he really takes you back 
um, to the the roots of the Democrats and the Progressive Party, which is as racist as you can get. And and uh, many of the um, the ripoff schemes, the rackets, the exploitation um, that we see in the Clintons, we find that sordid tradition going back all the way to Andrew Jackson. So the, the racism wasn't just that I you know I don't like blacks. It was that I found a way to get black people to work for me for free. In other words, that's what slavery was. It's basically a, a stealing of another man's labor. And in order to steal his labor, you have to steal his whole life. And, um, and the Democrats championed that. And they said it was a good thing. Um, so they're the inventor of the notion of slavery as a positive good. And then after the Civil War, they came up with new schemes. Segregation, Jim Crow, the Ku Klux Klan... And then the whole social Darwinism, forced sterilization, all of which led to sympathy for fascism. So there's all this stuff. And I think in one of the greatest, you know, there's the economic heist. You rob Fort Knox, you rob the Treasury. But then there's the intellectual heist, which is you rob the honor of America and the Republican Party. And you blame them for the bad things that you did. That's the genius of the progressives is is. is to shift the blame onto someone else and then present themselves as the remedy. Now, how how is it that the Klan, which has always been Democrat, it was a Democratic voting uh, machine. Um, how is it that the Klan has now moved into this alt right, to where they're they? I mean, they are you know like the neo Nazis. It's National Socialism. How how what do they find with the right that they identify with? Well, the, let's think of what motivated someone to join the Klan in the first place. Like, why would you join the Ku Klux Klan? Um, the, the reason was that in the South, what the Democratic Party said to the poor white guy is, I'm going to make you a member of an aristocracy, right? You're going to be higher than every black guy in the country. So even if here's a black guy, he's educated, he went to college, he's, a, he's got a good job, and you don't. But because of your skin color, I'm going to put you on top of him. So whiteness becomes membership in this racial club uh, and your social status becomes elevated by virtue. So the Democrats were offering that to poor whites in the South. And that was one of the main reasons that the think of all why the poor whites fought in the Civil War. They didn't have slaves. Uh, What were they fighting for? What was in it for them? Uh, The Democrats have always understood the kind of low motives of the human psyche. Even today, look at the way they tap into avarice, envy, all these secret emotions that people have. And they never do it openly. They never say, you're an envious man. They go, they they make it seem like you're self-righteous. You're being denied your fair share. Therefore, you should, you know, smash into this guy's house and take his stuff because he owes you. So the Democrats know what they're doing. They're playing with fire. They're playing with low human, human emotions. Now, there is a far-right version of doing the same thing. Uh, and so in, you may say that at the extremes, the right and the left tend to converge. But it's not, and I, and what I don't understand is, like, for instance, again, the neo-Nazis, their claim is they're far-right, but they're national socialists. I mean, the right in America has always been the smallest possible government. You know, yeah, no, absolutely. The extreme and, on the right should be anarchist. 
Yeah, and even in Europe, if you think of the right, you know, the, what's the extreme right in Europe? It was thrown an altar. It was right. the idea of a country run by an alliance between the sacred church yes. uh, and the monarchy. So that's the right. And that's gone. We don't. That's not a threat today. Right. Uh, what is a threat today is a different kind of collectivism, uh, which now is a, a, co- a collectivism that was embodied by the communists, by the Nazis, by the progressives. Most people don't realize that all those three movements were on the same side of the aisle. Yes. Did we see that's an example of what you're talking about and the way they frame things? Um, in that, you know, we talked about forever that keeping up with the Joneses, we looked at that as a negative idea, that you're just trying to get what everyone else on your neighborhood has or whatever else in your town has. Now they frame that as income inequality. And it's the same basic foundational belief, right, that you should be able to get what everyone else has. Uh, but now that it's framed as income inequality, it's all of a sudden a positive. Isn't that an example of what they're trying to do? Yeah, I mean... Got 20 seconds. Yeah, the, um, the good side of it is trying to emulate the successful guy. And that's what we believe, right? We right. won't believe. Guy started a business, you should learn to start a business, yeah. improve yourself. The democratic approach is different, and that is to appeal to envy, to appeal to pulling him down so yes. the two of you are leveled. All right, so when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about what does America look like with Hillary Clinton as President of the United States. It can't be good. Dinesh D'Souza, next. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Putin has uh, just issued a decree that all uh, children of the motherland of Russia, if they are if they are abroad, uh, either working uh, or they are going to school, they need to come home. He is pulling all citizens and children in, in uh, specifically. Uh, back to Russia, and we'll give you the specific language on that. It's really quite disturbing. Uh, we'll give you the exact language from Moscow in uh, just a second. We're talking to Dinesh D'Souza. Hillary's America um, is uh, is out, the book, also the movie, number one, DVD, Amazon. Um, great movie. Um, a lot of really good research. Um, I am so happy, Dinesh, that you... Um, did it the way you did it. It's it's more than a documentary and talking heads. It's a it's almost like a feature film. I mean, you've you've it's really brought. I yeah, mean, that's why people go to the movies. And so, um, no, I'm thrilled that people love the movie. And I tried to put strong generalizations in the movie and invite the left to go after them. So at one point, I say in the movie, in 1860, the year of the Civil War, no Republican owned a slave. All the slaves in the whole country were owned by Democrats. Now, think about that. That's a claim which you can refute by simply giving me a list of five Republicans who own slaves. No one has been able to do it. Uh, And so it is the kind of unnerving, factual claim that you go, why didn't 
someone tell me that in school? Yes. Why haven't I seen that in the media? And part of what gives power to our movies is simply the fact that the left has been so successful in covering things up, in putting out a false narrative. Oh, yeah. And so truth people becomes get incendiary. Angry. Yeah, people get angry when they realize that this has all been hidden from them, especially African-Americans. They really feel duped. Who did the civil rights movement of the 60s? The leftists claim the full credit. We did it. So whatever our sins of the past are washed clean because we gave you the civil rights movement. No. In fact, more Republicans voted for it proportionally than Democrats. The main opposition came from the Democratic Party. So, so let me ask you this question. Then. And I said this on the air the other day, and I've actually called a couple of historians and asked them. And they said, wow, I don't know, but let me look into it. You might actually know. Who wrote the civil rights bill and the, the more importantly the um the great society bills uh from lg L, 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 lbj um because we just did a deal about the destructive force of those programs you couldn't have designed them any better to tear the black community apart and then i started thinking wait but that's i mean that was the progressive ideal were there deep progressives that wrote that? Do, do you know, are there any real racist progressives that wrote that? Any evidence at all that that may have been an intention of some that wrote that great society? Well, you know, going back to FDR and Social Security, um, FDR knew that it had to be designed. If he wanted it to work politically, it had to be designed in a way that no one could undo it. And FDR boasted, I'm going to design it in such a way that it can't be ended. It'll go on forever. And the way I do that is I don't have Glenn Beck have a retirement account and Dinesh have a retirement account. Uh, I'm going to make it so that the old people today are funded by the young people today. And that's why when the young people become old, they're going to demand that the next generation of young people pay for them. So these people thought of that stuff. They thought they weren't just thinking about helping Glenn Beck and Dinesh retire. They were thinking, how do we, the Democrats, get to own this program and own these people for generations? Same with LBJ. With the LBJ, I didn't say, say, let's go destroy the black family. But they went, how do we create a whole class of people who need us in order to get by, to pay the mortgage, to get food? Because that way we got them. Uh, And if we can kind of hold them in this dependency. So this is why I think, for example, why does the left oppose gentrification schemes in the inner city? You come in and say, and you're not even a government, you're a private business. You go, listen, I want to bring in Starbucks. I want to bring in all these companies. We'll create lofts, high tech companies. Everyone will have jobs. Real estate values will go up. The people who live there are better off because their property values will go up. The left will oppose you. Why? Because they know we've got 90 percent of these people enthralled to us right now. They're voting for us. If we make them self-reliant, they're going to be like, okay, I'm leaving the plantation, goodbye. And so they don't want that to happen. So this is a, they have a perverse incentive to keep these people enthralled. The name of the book uh, is Hillary's America. What does it look like in four years if she wins? Well, I'm from India, a country run by gangs. Uh, if you saw Slumdog Millionaire, you get yeah. a feeling for what that's like. Debbie, my wife's from Venezuela. You know what it's like over there. People eating dogs and cats, and the country is run like a one big gang um, so we're, we came to America because in America, you don't have to be corrupt in everyday life. You don't have to pay a bribe to the cop. Uh, you can live your normal life. You could, there are ladders of opportunity. That America is up for grabs right now. And I think Hillary is the antithesis of it. She's the antithesis of ladders of opportunity. She represents the whole idea that we belong to the government. She controls the government. We belong to her, in effect. 
Uh, that's the America that, sh- that she's pushing for if the American people will sign on the dotted line. Will the people sign on the dotted line? Are you saying this election or will the people sign on the dotted line after the election? Well, I think the, um, you know, the, the, the sad thing about America is that the people who make the difference in the election are the least attuned to what's going on. Uh, they're the people, and, and their impulse isn't bad. Their impulse is that in a good country, you should normally be able to mow your lawn and go to work and go to the movies and not worry a whole lot about politics. Just like you should be able to live in a house and sleep on the couch and walk in the hallway without consulting the blueprints every day. Right. But it's when your house begins to shake then you need the blueprints. And similarly, we are at one of those rare times in American history. I've only known four or five times in U.S. history where this has been the case, where the more is being asked of the ordinary citizen, more knowledge, more vigilance, more alertness. Some of us as immigrants know this instinctively. Uh, and so it's a little bit of a waking up process to get the ordinary American who's like, what, 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 what's new? Why, why do I have to do this now? Well, because this is a different situation than it was in 1980 or even in 1960. Do we make it? You know, I think we do. I'm optimistic. I don't, I'm not one of these guys who goes, the country is finished if Hillary wins. But uh, we, it is true that, that when you take a lot of blows on the head, you become a different country. Uh, we've gone through a lot with Obama. It's not going to help. We are a completely different country than we were 15 years ago or eight years ago. Completely different country. Um, in retrospect, Barack Obama better or worse or the same of what you thought in 2008? I think I had the sense of Obama in 2008 of a twisted, uh, pathetic, um, emotionally deformed person who had been abandoned by his mom and his dad and out of this had hatched this perverted ideology that he, was, that he believed and that he was pursuing with dogged determination. Uh, he, he wrapped it up in the bow of hope and change, but it actually was a very concrete set of things. That is still my view of Obama. He's a messed up guy at the core, uh, but his messed upness is wrapped up in a kind of false idealism, just like his narcissism springs from deep insecurity. He's a more interesting person than Hillary. Hillary is a straight out, you know, Luca Brazzi. Uh, what makes Hillary interesting is that she's Luca Brazzi who tries to pass herself off as wearing a halo, which is a very ugly and, <laughs> and kind of ridiculous sight. Uh, and that's what makes her, her comic as well as, as, well as tragic. Uh, so I don't really, I'm not interested in Hillary in the way I am interested. I would like to have dinner with Obama. I'd find him interesting psychologically. Yes. The yes. same way I'd like to meet Nixon. Yes. But Hillary, I'll pass. So, but wait, what I was asking you was, is the did the country the country weathered him better than I thought we would? Yeah, he's uh, what he's done is he's weakened. I think his 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 greatest harm is he's weakened American influence in the world. Oh yeah, because it, it used to be that nothing could happen in South America, in the Middle East, in in the Far East without America having a big say. So yes, he's sort of made us irrelevant, and that was his goal. So he has, that's his greatest... A lot of help with Hillary Clinton on that as well in the State Department. Yes, but it was his agenda. She was a functionary for his agenda in doing that. What's the difference between his agenda and her agenda? Her agenda essentially has to do with large suitcases of cash. Because I honestly believe that any country can get a meeting with Hillary if they're willing to pay. Any business can get a meeting with Hillary if they're willing to pay. And, and so in that sense, Hillary is above ideology. She has an ideology and the ideology serves her. But she's perfectly willing to go against it. If- Any of the triangulation of Bill Clinton and Hillary? 
very little, only the rhetorical triangulation. You get a, when she says things like, I want to be a president for Republicans too. Now, now, that is a very interesting statement because in our system, the president is supposed to represent even the people who voted against him right. or her. Right. She has no intention of doing it, but she says it. Because that's one of the interesting things that's come out of the Podesta emails coming out is that Hillary behind closed doors seems to be much better than she is in public in that she is saying things that are pro-free trade. She's saying things that are pro-fracking. She's saying these things. And I, I mean, my instinct is she's saying them because she thinks the audience at that private speech thinks that. So she's playing playing to that. Is that is it just a, a chase? Which one is she? Please the audience. Is she the private one that is pro-business, pro-fracking if you pay? Or is she the radical that wants to shut everything down because she believes in global warming? Well, she's neither. She, she, she gains on both fronts. So, for example, let's take a Hillary meeting with Goldman Sachs. Here's what Hillary says to Goldman Sachs. She goes, listen, out there, I've got to denounce you guys, right? And so I'm doing it because I have something to gain, which is political. I'm, I have to make you look bad because you're the enemy that's going to help rally people to my side. I've got to fool those people into thinking that I'm conspiring with them against you, Right. And then she tells the Goldman Sachs, but in reality, I'm conspiring with you against them. In other words, I've got all kinds of deals for you. If you're willing to give me money to the Clinton Foundation and to my causes, I can do business with you. So she's benefiting at both ends, and that's the common denominator. And she's letting the Goldman Sachs people know, because they're sophisticated enough, that I have to do this. So the only thing she cares about is money. That's all she, and power. And power. And, and, and power is the way the Clintons get money. Now, usually in American politics, you make money first. FDR was rich when he, went to, when he ran for office. JFK was rich. So in America, people don't go to power to make money. The Clintons do. Um, the Clinton Foundation uh, laid the foundation of something that I think is just horrendous. Uh, and it's going to make Barack Obama a very... Oh powerful and wealthy man um does he build a much more powerful clinton foundation and does that continue does his influence continue to change and shape the world i don't see obama quitting uh like i say he believes uh what he does and what he says uh i totally think he will move in the he, he'll learn from the clinton foundation but let's remember what made the clinton foundation so perverse is that this you know it's not uncommon for politicians when they quit to go to lobbying firms and make money so cashing in later is one yeah, thing yeah. it's much worse to cash in while you're the decision maker and you go to a group of indian businessmen and they go okay bill here's 500,000 to make a speech now we want hillary to change america's position on the india nuclear deal and if you do that $20 million or $10 million will come flowing to your foundation. I mean, that is actually selling U.S. policy. Think about it. If the Clintons have gone from zero to $300 million, what's the product that they've been selling? They haven't made the iPhone. They haven't started a business. Their product is public policy. Now, public policy is, belongs to us. It's the American people's um, product. But they're selling it, and they're cashing in on it. That's what makes them deeply corrupt. That's what, I, at the end of the day... For all, Trump has done this and Trump, he has not done that. And they have. Hillary's America, Dinesh D'Souza, available in books and, uh, and also DVD, number one uh, best-selling DVD on Amazon right now. Always good to see you and your lovely wife. A pleasure. Talk to you again. And now this. Since the world, end of World War II, there have been 11 recessions in the U.S. And the average time between the recessions 
is six years and uh, five months. It has now been over seven years since the last recession ended, and it wasn't much of a recovery. And when this recession hits, the Federal Reserve is going to try to stimulate the economy by cutting the interest rates. And they usually do that multiple times, but the interest rates are already at or near zero. So unless the Fed raises the rates a lot and does so very quickly, we are almost guaranteed to see negative interest rates in the next recession. Uh, And if the Fed does raise the interest rates, they risk destabilizing the entire system. What they are talking about now in their white papers between each other is the printing of $4 trillion and dumping it into the system. We are on a road to absolute destruction, and there is nothing standing in the way. Um, Do your own homework and find out if gold or silver is right for you, but I would highly recommend that you um, do that homework and you find out and you have something physical that is worth something um, and worth something traditionally. Gold standard is called the gold standard because it's where the world always flees when there's trouble. Buy with confidence. Your gold price um, is going to be guaranteed for their price guarantee program. Act now and ensure you acquire the special gold uh, bullion coins, the legal tender unit. They are the first square coin encapsulated, um, and it comes from the Perth Mint, I think, in Australia. Read Goldline's important risk information, 866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-465-3546. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. I will be Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, the unions have held the line in Atlantic City. Everyone's trying to make this story about Trump Taj Mahal closing. It's got nothing to do with Trump. Nope. Listen to the arguments from the unions, though. Um, Picketers affixed a, a, a poster that said, we held the line yeah. on the closed doors of the Trump Taj Mahal. We held the line against a billionaire taking from us, says yeah. one worker. This battle has been going on for years. Um, uh, another one says, uh, I feel like they should have been able, uh, excuse me, it says, I, I was there when these doors opened. And I'll be there when they close. This didn't have to happen. To them, it's all business. But to us, it's destroying our livelihoods and taking our, our and hurting our families. You took away our health care, our pensions, and overload the workers. That's why we went on strike. Uh, so what happened? Well, Carl Icahn, who runs the place, said, if you don't bend on these things, we're going to have to close. They went on strike. A month later, he said, we're going to have to close. And now they're closing. This is a win for the unions. Listen to the union representative. Everybody has their Popeye moment. That's all I can stand. And I can't stand no more. The workers made a choice that they weren't going to accept benefits in terms of employment less than anyone else's. Now they have no jobs. Mercury. Hello, America. 
Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. I want to talk to you about a couple of things. First of all, Russia. The Russian government has told their officials to immediately come home and bring back your children who are studying abroad. We're not sure um, why Putin issued this decree, but none of the options are good. One of them is World War III. One of them is just he is making an example of uber-nationalism. Either way, it's not good. And, you know, we could sit here and talk about, uh, you know, things that don't really matter, or we could be aware of the things that are going to change, whether we like it or not, after the November election. Also, I want to talk to you about um, a serious threat to the system to America, and I will show you evidence of uh, what I said was going to come is coming and, in fact, is already here. Threat that was issued yesterday. We'll go there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome. Welcome to the program. I'm, uh, I'm very glad that you're here. I, I want to read something. Yesterday, uh, Donald Trump uh, wrote, it is nice to have the shackles taken off me and now I can fight America the way I want to. Uh, yesterday I was watching television and a lot of the uh, Trump supporters were saying, you know, it's time to take the fisticuffs off and let them have it. And they weren't talking about the Democrats. They were talking about the Republicans. There's a lot of people that are feeling this way. Um, and I, I want to share uh, something that it was published yesterday uh, by a guy named, uh, I believe his name is Mike uh, Cernovich. He is an author of a book called Guerrilla Mindset. I don't know anything about him. Do you know him? I think he's a big conspiracy guy, right? Yeah, no, he's, yeah, he's, he's not good. Um, <laughs> um, not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he is a guy who has a lot of followers on Twitter. And this is the mentality of Breitbart. And I know there are people in this audience that don't want to hear any of this. But... It doesn't bring me joy to uh, tell you this, and it doesn't make me happy to tell you this. But it is my job to tell you this. This is the mindset of Breitbart. This is the mindset of uh, the alt-right. And this is the mindset of what is coming. Uh, Yesterday, a lot of people are laughing at, uh, what's his name, the guy who does, uh, oh, the... The conspiracy guy on Alex Jones. Alex Jones. A lot of people were laughing at him. I think that guy is deeply emotionally disturbed. Um, at least has serious roid rage can you have, problems. Can you have both of those things where you can laugh at him and realize he's seriously? Emotionally yeah, well, it's getting disturbed. scary now because <laughs> because what's going to happen is they're going to coalesce around people. People are going to start to coalesce. Uh, just like the Klan and the neo Nazis did. I think it was last weekend or the weekend before. They held the first ever meeting, and they 
and they signed a pact. They signed a treaty, a peace treaty between them. Uh, No hurting each other, no killing each other. They're not enemies anymore for the time being. They have a chance to move the alt-right forward, and National Socialist, a.k.a. the Nazis and the Klan, can move forward. Um, So anyway, um, this is what Cernovich posted yesterday to Reince Priebus. Now, let me give you a little uh, inside information. I have it on really good authority that Reince was going to um, resign on Monday. Um, but what? It, really? Yes. Whoa. Yes. He was going to resign, but the debate went well enough. That's why it was going one direction where everybody started to bail on this. The, uh, the Trump campaign did well enough in the debate that he said, well, wait, and that's why you had some people jumping on board on Sunday saying, you know, we got to dump Trump. And then on Monday afternoon, they're like, no, wait, I'm okay. So Reince is in between this rock and a hard place. Yes. So, so he was resigning because he didn't want to stand by Trump? The whole thing was falling apart. Or yes. he was resigning because he was taking responsibility for his... The whole thing falling apart, Yes. You have this on good, this is kind of a big story. Why are we doing this at hour three? <laughs> you have a good authority that Reince was going to step down on Monday. Monday. Yes. Yes. Wow. I mean, that's a huge story. Okay. Um, okay who, so, who told you? I can't tell you that. Why? When did they tell wow, you? We're friends. I can't tell you Don't that. Tell the audience. Just tell me. Okay. Um, so, uh, dear Reince, this was written to him yesterday. Dear Reince. Sabotage against Trump is occurring at the highest levels of the GOP. I want you to listen to this. We are going to respond in kind, and we will spoil every down-ballot candidate on November 8th unless hostilities against the Republican nominees cease. Idle threat? Have your worthless consultants and social media gurus take a look at my Twitter analytics. I am only one pro-Trump account, and I am doing 115 million views a month. 90% of my readers are pro-Trump, and we show up in real life as well. Cries about giving Congress to the Democrats mean nothing to us. We have our own move move planned for 2018. Listen to this. We have our own move planned for 2018 called Revolution 18. We will be running primary challengers against all of those who backstab Trump. For the greater good of America, we will work with you. You have one week to issue a stand-down order uh, to those who sabotage Trump. We will be stopping by local GOP offices. If those offices are closed or hostile to Trump, we will take the next steps. What are those next steps? If the GOP continues to sabotage Trump, we will begin spoiling the ballots of every Republican running for office this election. We do not work for Trump. We work for the American people who have watched globalist Paul Ryan welcome Islamic terrorists into America, making all of our families unsafe. We are in a fight for our lives and believe that the GOP leadership in Congress poses a threat to the lives of ourselves and our loved ones. Now we're talking self-defense. No better friend 
No Worse Enemy, Mike Cernovich, Operation Purge Cucks. <laughs> I mean, I have to laugh, but yeah, it's obviously serious. It's obviously very serious. Now, it's, now of course, they tried this against Paul Ryan and lost 84 to 16 I understand that. in the primary. But, you but know, you these have, things build over time. These things build over time. This is the Occupy Wall Street mentality. Um, uh, these people are going to be very, very angry. And Donald Trump is going to play into this. If he loses, he is going to be their champion. Uh, and well, he is going dual. to use this. He is going to use this as a way to launch his television network. Mark my words. I mean, he Donald Trump is essentially doing what whoever this guy is is suggesting. He's out there now attacking Paul oh, yes. Ryan, John McCain yes. publicly. Yes. He's doing all the things. I mean, he's obviously yes. on board for this generalized strategy. Yes. Um, which what is interesting about that is so many people make the argument that the reason why you need Donald Trump is the Supreme Court. Now, if Donald Trump becomes president and loses all of his down ballot seats and loses the Senate. He's not going to be able to get any of the Supreme Court justices passed, showing that that is not a priority to him at all. Donald Trump cares about the Supreme Court like Jeffy cares about salad. Not at all. I mean, you did cheapen it a little bit, but I love your point. I mean, a little bit. I mean, it's true. It's a way to make it. I mean, by throwing an insult to salads. Oh, okay, there's yeah, no reason. You I, to I apologize to salad. salad. I think you get I'll the point. I'll give you a list of some items. <laughs> put in a salad. Well, you so, like chicken salad. Yeah. So there's whole chicken, <laughs> beak and all. But uh, you think about that for a second. If you're if you're holding on to this belief that Donald Trump cares about the Supreme Court, if he cared about the Supreme Court, he would be doing everything he could to help well, Republicans down. You see how he is courting. He thinks this is going to work. How he's courting Democrats now. Yesterday, he was saying how Democrats are much better than the Republicans, blah, 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 which he has always said. He has always said the Republicans are so foolish, I'll be able to dupe them. If I'm ever going to run, I'm going to run as a Republican because I can dupe them easily. I don't think that's a real that quote in particular. He certainly made that general. Oh, really? That's not real? It's not a real quote, no. But it's a, oh, I thought it was. He said uh, he... Thank you for correcting me. Yeah, yeah no, sorry. He, um, but he has indicated that... Um, he actually indicated early on that he thought he would run... The Democrats would put him in office because even though he had some policies that were conservative, the, the working man loved him. The working man would be the one that put him in. Um, and now you're kind of seeing that that's kind of been his strategy as he's trying yeah. to go through certain yes. rural areas. I heard him yesterday in Florida out. say I watched a speech of his in Florida and he said that he considers himself a blue collar working man. Absolutely. He does. Which <laughs> is always a it's strange, but it's that's, weird. It's hard to see all the blue around with all that gold in your apartment. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. But yeah, I guess. Um, so anyway, the, the, the thing that I, I started the show on today was you're already seeing the tactics. It doesn't matter. The truth doesn't matter. This guy is also a, a friend of, Milo Yapanopoulos or whatever his name it's is, all, right? Yeah, I, I, They're I, all the same kind of guys. I don't know off the top okay. of my head, to be perfectly honest. But, I mean, certainly they all swim in the alt-right yep. circle, right? right? They're all swimming in the alt-right circle where facts do not matter. Uh, Milo said, we're living in a post-fact world, and I love it. And so the facts don't matter. And we saw that yesterday. And By the way, that's, you know, it's not just an, some guy because, I mean, normally it would just be some unknown commentator who cares. This is a guy who works for the person running or the CEO of the Trump campaign. I mean, that that they are in the exact same world, believe the exact same things. The person who who is running the Trump campaign hired someone to define 
the alt-right yes. that, that says that he's happy we're in a post-fact era. Yes. This, they, they don't. I mean, this is what they did with you yesterday. Yes. They came out and said you endorsed Hillary Clinton, which you did not. They put you, they photoshopped a picture of you on the Hillary um, background. So it looked like Hillary had released a graphic showing that you had endorsed her, which you did not. They perpetuated a lie that was picked up not only by other idiotic media sources, but also mainstream media sources yeah. who bought into it and then later had to change their stories. These things happen because there is an intentional- I'm still getting I'm still getting emails today from friends today who are saying, I can't believe what what is that? That was Breitbart, and that's what's going to happen. Post fact era. Yeah, you're in a post fact era. If you don't if you read something that doesn't seem right, you better before you pass it on check and see if it's right um because they are going to this is i'm telling you the alt right is doing everything they can to grab the throat of the of the movement the conservative movement in america and we are handing it to them because we think we're dismissing them just like the democrats dismissed the marxist when they said, oh, yeah, well, you can come on in the party because it provided fuel for them. And what happened? The Marxists are now in control of that party. There is no coexistence with this. Now this. Bill O'Reilly written some great books along with his co-author, one of which is Killing Reagan, which has now been turned into a movie. The National Geographic Channel is premiering Killing Reagan this Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, The movie follows the events that led to the attempted assassination of President Reagan and its effects on history. It begins during the 1980 presidential election between Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter and shows the scary path that John Hinckley was uh, following at the same time. 69 days into it to prove how much he loved Jodie Foster. He shot Ronald Reagan six times, injuring four men, including the president of the United States. It's a great book. It is a great movie. I saw the advance of it. It's a, it's a great movie. A lot of it's, people are probably concerned. Hey, why aren't the Blue Jays on that night? No, it's okay. That's an off night. You can watch the Killing Reagan. Thank you. I'm sure. I know. A lot of people were worried. Nobody was. Maybe but, a few of our Ohio listeners were worried about right. this. This is the fourth movie in the Killing franchise from National Geographic, Killing Lincoln, Killing Kennedy, Killing Jesus, and now Killing Reagan. All of them have received multiple Emmy nominations. Tim Matheson and Cynthia Nixon star as Ron and Nancy Reagan. It's made by people that see the world the way we see the world, so it's not going to be a hatchet job on on Ronald Reagan or on Nancy Reagan. Premiere is Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, only on the National Geographic Channel. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The Russian website, NAC, published yesterday. Russian state officials and government workers are now being told to bring back their children studying abroad immediately, even if it means cutting their education short and not waiting till the end of the school year. 
and re-enroll them in Russian schools with some concern. The article adds that if the parents of these same officials live abroad for some reason and have not lost their Russian citizenship, they should also be returned home to the motherland. Uh, This article cited five administration uh, officials that were sources of uh, of the report. What they're saying now is anyone who fails to act, take your kid. You imagine this. You're living abroad. Your kids are in school. And your government says you have to come home right now. And if you don't, anyone who fails to act will find such noncompliance to be a complicating factor in the furtherance of their public sector career, end quote. Hmm. So if you're not going to be a citizen in another country, you're going, to have it a hard, you're going to have a hard time being a citizen and finding a job if you don't return home immediately. Now, they say that there's a couple of reasons uh, to do this. One, he's sending a, Putin is sending a, 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 a message to the elites. I control you and your life. And you're not going over. The motherland is the number one source. And I'm not going to have you right. proving that it's not by having your kids or taking your jobs overseas. Remember it. Remember that. I'm in charge. Exactly right. That's the number one. But there's also um, what was said in this um, uh, article also was, quote, on one hand, this is part of the package to measure, prepare the elites for some big war, even if it's rather conditional. On the other hand, it's another blow to the unity of President Putin with his own elites. While the ban for having assets in the West is one thing and understandable, when it comes to a ban for offshore health and education services, the blowback will be farther, far greater as it represents a more important element of establishing life strategy. So they are, they are talking now that this, this, is, this is a war internally with Putin and the oligarchs. And he is clearly sending the message, I'm in charge. But it is also, as one of the three reasons possible, that they are bringing people home because war is on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, Actual war is on the it's horizon. It's being reported today from uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, the last leader of Russia, that he's even saying, look, we're at a dangerous point right now. Tensions between Russia and the United States spike over the Syria conflict. Uh, it's bad. Not good. Not good. Okay, give me, a, give me a look at the latest poll numbers, would you, Stu? Yeah, a couple of quick things. Uh, first of all, uh, NBC News, there was a poll that came out we discussed yesterday that had Trump down 11. I mean, I thought it went to nine. It went to nine. That yes. was what I was going to tell you. That happened uh, yesterday afternoon, which, you know, when you have a poll that has you down nine and you're looking at it as good news, that's not necessarily well, but it's a positive. from but it's 11 moving, to nine. It's moving in the right direction. New poll in New Hampshire, it's about where this race has been for a while. Um, uh, Trump trails by eight there uh, to Clinton. Um, a couple, how's Ayat doing? Uh, she, I don't have that okay, exact poll. Right. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Uh, it's closer though with, with Ayat. Um, you have, uh, a, uh, a Rasmussen poll also tightened a tad from seven to four for Trump. So maybe he had a little bit of a bounce back. The, uh, USC LA times poll, which has been very favorable for Trump throughout has now a tie, which is a very bad result for him in that particular poll. A couple of other interesting notes. Um, Maine's second district, which is one electoral vote, is a, is a state we had leaning Trump. That has now come back to only a one-point lead for Trump. So a total toss-up there on that one. Um, and uh, two, the two big polls, really, that have come out today, uh, Utah, which is a tie now, 
26% for uh, Trump, 26% for Clinton, oh 22% for Evan McMullen. Evan McMullen is at 22%. Holy cow. With only 52% of the electorate actually being aware of his candidacy. Only half the voters even know he's running, and he's at, he's Holy only four points behind. Cow. He's on the air with us tomorrow, by the way. The other one is Ohio, an, a must-win state, obviously, for Donald Trump. Clinton, 43. Trump, 34. A nine-point lead in Ohio. Oh, my God. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. program nick adams author of a new book green card warrior my quest for legal immigration in an illegal system uh nick is a good friend of the program been a friend of ours for a long time uh and last time he was here he said i don't know if i'm going to be able to come back um the united states uh had a little jihad against uh nick now he has he has his green card now it has taken you how many years? Four and a half years. Four and a half years. How much money? $50,000. $50,000. Now, here's, here's what happened so we could get to the meat of the story because the book details all of this and it's a great read. And if you really want to know what's happening in our country, read this book. Um, you were, you were uh, on the track to get a green card as a, what do you call it, an a extraordinary ability or? An extraordinary ability green card. That's right. Okay. So what you have to prove is that you're a top 1% of your, your field, your profession, uh, and you can get a green card. Um, but you were put on a no-fly list. Well, that's exactly right, Glenn. So I had an Extraordinary Ability Green Card approved petition. So the Citizenship and Immigration Service, part of the Department of Homeland Security, they make the assessment on whether or not you qualify for a green card. The very last step for anybody that is going to get a visa or a green card to enter the United States is a formality meeting that occurs at the local consulate or embassy in your home country where you pony up and you show your passport, the original of your birth certificate, your police check and your medical check. It's meant to be very routine, very procedural. Well, mine was anything but. I got an absolutely awful individual at the US consulate in Sydney and that sparked the beginning of what would be 10 months of absolute turmoil, impacting my finances, impacting my health, my family's health, my career and it was just something that I will never ever forget. I mean, I, th- those... So, so who was the individual? Let, let's start with this. You said, I mean, uh, your idea of America came from a doctor who diagnosed you with cancer when you were really young and helped cure you, and, and uh, you've always looked up at America. Um, you have been so pro-American that you actually were losing jobs in your home country because you were not liked. 
because of your view of America, correct? Well, that's exactly right, Glenn. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been, all my adult life, I've been fighting the ogre of the left. It started when I was a third-year university student and I was denied an internship at the National Broadcaster in Australia. Uh, it continued when I was involved in politics, being publicly elected at the age of 19 to local government in Sydney and becoming the youngest deputy mayor in Australian history at 21, when the little totalitarians in my own Conservative Party uh, decided to vilify me because I was outspoken. It continued when I was a high school teacher. And yes, you're right, as I have gained prominence here in the United States, particularly in the last two or three years, I've become unemployable. I can't get a job in Australia because I go on Fox News, because I go on The Blaze and because I'm a patriot. Uh, and that's a really, really big problem. That's part of the reason why I wanted to come to the United States. I recognise that I... It's not going to get better for you here. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm working on turning it around. I'm working on turning it around. Even with all of the problems that America's got right now, this is still the most optimistic, energetic place. This is still the place where you can so, but when, rise above the circumstances. When you were going into the consulate... You describe it in the book as a very gray, drab, and mean person that you're going into in a drab, ugly building. Would you have felt the same way if that was the image of America that you had when you were young? You had the, I mean, it's not the same image. Well, no, it's not. But, and it's really interesting, Glenn, that the consulate looked and felt entirely different to real America. And I know that that's something that's close to your heart. Real America is warm, there's enthusiastic patriotism, there is generous hospitality, uh, there are people that are really uh, colourful and identities, and this place was just political correctness on steroids. I mean, there was, there was nothing on the walls, it was completely and utterly uh, grey, as I describe it in the book and, and as you have outlined. Uh, so, I, I mean, I... I went in there wanting to get my job done and unfortunately I couldn't. And this is the first documented case that we have of the State Department because all consulates and all embassies come under the State Department. This is the first documented case we have of the Hillary Clinton State Department, of the John Kerry State Department, of the State Department under the Obama administration using the legal immigration process to vet or screen potential immigrants based on their politics, because what our investigations uncovered, and this is all in the book, this is explosive. This is a tell-all. Green Card Warrior is a tell-all, explosive, blockbuster book, which I think is going to impact this election and catapult immigration back to the forefront of discussions. Uh, because what's happening right now is just wrong. Good people struggle to come here and bad people get to come here easily. And our investigations uncovered that the individual that was at the centre of this has got political views that are the opposite of mine, has got a different sexual orientation to me, and it's very clear that all of that fed in to my case being sent back to Citizenship and Immigration Services with a recommendation that it be revoked. Okay, now, now wait a minute. How, was, did this person put your name on a no-fly list? Well, I, I, I don't know for sure if that person put me on a no-fly list. I was on a no-fly list because my family and I, as I detail in the book, were trying to fly to the United States. I was with my mum and dad and we were turned away. At oh, they didn't Airport. let you know ahead of time? 
They, so they waited until you got to the airport? That's exactly right. And, and the uh, not authorised travel document is in Green Card Warrior. Uh, so I was put on a no-fly list. I couldn't travel here. And there are so many things about the legal immigration system that people don't know. Glenn, had it not been for some very courageous senators and congressmen that stood up for me and, I will tell you. and represented me to the Citizenship and Immigration Service, I likely wouldn't be able to be here today because had my application been revoked, had they agreed with the recommendation of this official in the US consulate in Sydney, not only would I not have got a green card, there's something in the law called immigrant intent. And immigrant intent stipulates that if you have formally demonstrated a desire to be a permanent resident of the United States and the government knocks you back, they reject you, then you are never, ever again allowed to re-enter the United States in your lifetime. That is a fact that no one knows. So here I am facing a lifetime ban of coming to the country that I love so much, that I've worked so hard to build a life and a career in. I was in negotiations with Fox News. Things were happening for me. I had a new non-profit. I had no future or career in my own country. And then the country that I love, I was staring down the barrel of never being able to go back. I was the ultimate refugee, but no one ever spoke about me. No one cared about me. And those nights that I spent, I mean, I, I get emotional when I think about it. Because how, did you, how did you find out who this person was? That Well, I showed some American-style initiative. <laughs> you see, obviously, uh, consulates and embassies around the world these days, understandably, because of the threats that are posed by uh, people that don't like America, operate under very strict security, So I thought, well, how do I go about and find out? Because, you see, Glenn, I went to my attorneys and my attorneys said, look, I had the best of the best in Manhattan. And they said, Nick, we've been practising immigration law for four decades. We have never, ever seen anything like this. Technically, this is a thing called a consular return. It exists under the law, but it is used so sparingly. and, And anyone that uses this, particularly in your case, with you being as high profile as you are, Uh, This is very clearly an abuse of power. So I said, well, I've got to try and get to the bottom of this. They said, we're probably never going to know. I said, well, let me try and work on that. And so I went through the equivalent of the State Department in the Australian government. So I went to the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade and I managed to get my hands on a list of every single diplomat from every country in In the world in Australia. And I went to the US section. I was able to narrow it down to the US consulate. And I knew from a letter that we also have published in Green Card Warrior, the letter that informed me that my application was sent back, that the person that signed it was a vice consul. And I knew that I had seen this individual because he'd interviewed me. So I knew that I could match up the face with the name. But there were eight vice consuls. (laughs) So I went through social media and I made sure that I found everything out and I was able to capture everything on this individual's social media account. And it became very clear to me that public statements that I've made over the years concerning feminism only uh, producing angry women and feminine men and my arguments in support of traditional family values and my love of America were the reasons why I was vilified. They wanted to vilify an enemy of the left. Unbelievable. Okay, the name of the book is Green Card Warrior, My Quest for Legal Immigration 
in a legal system. Uh, Nick Adams is the uh, author. So you moved here to Texas. This, this part, when I got to this part in the book, my eyes started to bleed. There's more? Oh, yeah. There's, there's two parts that will make your eyes bleed. You're moving to Texas. The senators that you reached out to, did you get help from any Texas senators? Well, the, the only senator, Glenn, that I reached out to in all of my dealings when I came to the United States to try and do something about it, even though I'd been advised by my attorneys to not, to not come, that uh, I should stay in Australia. And I prayed about that with my mum and dad. And they said, Nick, you've done nothing wrong. You need to go over there and fight. And so I tried to muster up as much political support as I could. And I ended up having six US senators and, and more than a dozen congressmen support me. The only Senate office... This is going to kill you. This is going to kill you. The only Senate office that I rang that did not offer assistance oh. after I spoke to them was Senator Ted Cruz's office. Only one that didn't help. It's the only one that didn't help. Okay. And the one that gave you the most... Ooh, this hurts. The one that gave you the most help... Was Senator Lindsey Graham's office. Oh, dear God. Who were, who were absolutely amazing. And I owe an enormous debt of gratitude to... Stations, we're going to edit out that last two minutes. <laughs> uh. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Nick, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're around, just around the corner, and staying here in Texas. Oh, Glenn, listen, I've waited all my life to be here. I can't wait to start my life properly. This is the best country in the history of the world. That's why I've come here. I've come to make, not take, give, not receive. I've come to try and turn this country around, not let it become the country that I left and like everywhere else in the world. This is such a special, special, special place. And uh, I fought tooth and nail to come here, and now I'm going to clean up the left that tried to keep me out. And did you hear that? We yeah. cannot have somebody like that. I know. Uh, Green Card Warrior is the name of the book. Guy doesn't have a job. Buy his book. It's nine ninety on Amazon right now. Green Card Warrior, My Quest for Legal Immigration in a Legal System, Nick Adams. Uh, author of Retaking America, Green Card Warrior, Nick Adams is his name. Go buy the book right now. Thank you so much, Nick. We'll talk again. Now this. If you uh, want to be able to feel alive all day and you don't want to feel like you just didn't sleep all night, maybe it would help if you could sleep. Sleep on a mattress from Casper. I have a Casper mattress. Pat has a Casper mattress. And um, we both have real bad sleeping problems. We can sleep on this, and you don't have to take my word for it. In fact, I, I prefer that you don't. I want you to try it out for yourself. What you can do is you go to uh, casper.com, use the offer code back. You'll get $50 off of the purchase of your mattress. Stu, how much are the king size? They're like a 1000 under a 1000 bucks, aren't they? Yeah. It's right around 1000 bucks. So, yeah. I mean, that's a king size. This is that you're just never going to find that price for a mattress and a king size of this quality. Just never going to find it. Best, best night's sleep you'll have. And don't take my word for it. Try it out. 100 nights risk-free. If you don't love it, they'll pick the mattress back up and they'll refund every dime. Go to casper.com. Use the promo code BECK. $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions apply. Casper.com. Offer code BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
This is the Glenn Beck Program. We told you yesterday that it was our suspicion that WikiLeaks would start to, uh, that Russia would use WikiLeaks to start funneling false information in these batches of real information. There is evidence now that this has already happened in, in something that is not a big deal. And I think this is the first $5 counterfeit bill uh, that they're trying to pass off. Yeah, this is a, a real email that went through the uh, a Russian news source Sputnik. Um, and has been quoted by Donald Trump on the campaign trail, other conservatives, saying that uh, Clinton was in charge of the State Department. This is supposed to be a conversation between Sidney Blumenthal and John Podesta. And what is said in the email, uh, Clinton was in charge of the State Department and had failed to protect U.S. personnel at an American um, uh, consulate in Libya. If the GOP wants to raise that as a talking point against her, it is legitimate, said Blumenthal. But Uh, that's not Blumenthal and Podesta did not have that conversation. No, Blumenthal pasted copy and pasted a column by a Newsweek author in which that was said. So they, he pasted it, and they're acting as if this is their real behind-the-scenes observation about Benghazi, when in reality... So the email existed, that text existed, but it, the text was in a column. And what the Russians did is make that text look like it was a conversation in an email between these two individuals, not the actual text from the column. Right, and as far as I know, the only reason it was even caught is because the author of the column noticed the text in the email. Like, wait a minute, that's, that sounds familiar. It's my, that's my column. And then they looked at the whole email and discovered it was just a copy and paste from his so column. So we are lucky. This, and, and I, I tend to agree. Stu and I were talking about this yesterday. I agree with Stu. I think in the coming days, you're going to find some blockbuster thing that's coming from Russia. Remember... Putin has said we're at war and it won't be fought with bullets and bombs at first. It will be it will be fought with digits. And that's what we're doing. And I think you're going to see something coming out. And whether it is true or not, we won't know at least right away. This is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury.